0: All right, well, next up on my podcast is someone I've known for about, what, 20 years, Sweeney Murdy? I mean, I'm so glad to have you on my show.
1: Something like that. Uh, boy, I can't believe how long it's been since I first saw you, and now look at all the great things you're doing. And now
0: uh, we're doing a podcast together, and thanks for doing this today. And of course, Sweeney is, if you listen to pre- and post-game on WFAN, and pretty much everything Yankees on FAN, he is the guy. And first of all, what's that role been like for you as the pre- and post-game guy for uh, Yankee baseball?
1: Yeah, listen, following the Yankees, covering the Yankees, uh, 22 years, it's uh it's a fantastic experience, right? Uh, I mean, I, I started the job when Derek Jeter was not even the Yankees captain yet. And here we are, Aaron Judge has just been the, named the Yankees captain. Uh, you know, fortunate enough to see his whole career so far. Uh, it's a I, – I, listen, I grew up loving baseball, and I grew up in Pennsylvania. Wasn't a Yankees fan, but I always appreciated baseball history and Yankees history. I mean, if you listen, if you like baseball history, and I did – Yankees history is is littered. It's it's one and the same, right? So, um, getting to appreciate all that at a young age and then getting to do it um, as a profession, gosh, it was uh, it, it couldn't couldn't have worked out any better for me, really. As you know, last
0: week was the fiftieth anniversary of George Steinbrenner buying this team, and he not only changed the culture of the city, right? He changed the Yankees and the culture of the city. But any memories I'm sure you have covering George Steinbrenner in your time uh, when he was on this earth.
1: Well, listen, uh, George was um, um, the—he was really in charge for only the first part of the time that I was covering the team. It was—it was quite an experience. You never knew what he was going to do, what he was going to say. Um, and that was kind of part of the energy and experience of covering the team back then. Um, you know, it was I, I think the thing that's you know kind of lasted is not his personality, but the idea that the Yankees are going to matter all the time, right? And I know there's been a lot of criticism about the Yankees not winning a World Series because that is their stated goal, and that that means failure. But they are relevant. They matter and they have put teams on the field that have you know, have at least been in the conversation uh every year that I've been doing this. So that part is probably the lasting impact of what he's done.
0: I also think his voice resonates when Hal speaks. There's something about the tenants, the cadence of Hal's voice that reminds me of George Simert. I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but
1: Oh, sure. Listen, listen, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? There are a lot of reasons why Hal is different than George, but obviously there are a lot of reasons why he is similar to George. I mean, that's I think that's natural for all of us, uh, you know, who uh, who, you know, uh, maybe grab anybody who gravitated, not just from the personality of your parents, but into the same uh, job, profession, vocation, whatever as your parents. You probably have a lot of similarities, whether you want to admit it or not.
0: All right, Sweeney, I got to ask you this because you just mentioned Aaron Judge, you don't think he played San Francisco a little bit to get the Yankees to sign on to more. Do you like what, what, what do you think exactly went down before the big signing happened?
1: Listen, Aaron Judge was a free agent. He took advantage of the opportunities that he earned. Um, and of course he's from uh, the Bay Area, and it, you know he grew growing up a Giants fan. Uh, Of course, it's understandable that he would take whatever opportunity he had to hear what was available to him and maximize his potential, right? Maximize his earnings. Um, This is a business. Um, And it should not be lost on anybody that this was his opportunity to uh, choose where he wanted to play, choose where he wanted his family to live for for the next part of his career, and maximize how much he was going to get paid for. it. He's earned every one of those rights, and I've seen it play out time and time again. It just comes down to making the decision, and, you know, I, I think Yankee fans are happy that he made the one that he did. Absolutely. Now, obviously,
0: as a pre- and post-game guy, and I'll get to the fact that he did a play-by-play this year as well, which was one of the biggest days a Doubleheader, if I'm not mistaken, against the Astros, but I want to ask you this. Aaron as a person, what do you think of him? You, you're in the locker room, right? So what, what's your interaction with Aaron Judge?
1: I mean, just always very polite and, and cordial and uh, um, really well-grounded person. I remember him saying something. Um, his, it was spring training before his rookie year. He, and he said, I just want to be where my feet are. You know, it wasn't, and he was, trying to, he was trying to win a spot on the team. And nothing was guaranteed to him yet, and he knew that. And he said, "I just want to be where my feet are now." His feet are pretty big, right? Already, so that's a big spot. But it it, it made uh, um, uh, an impact. It, like it resonated with me that he would say that. And it was the idea of just being grounded and understanding where you are now, and working towards wherever you're going to go, but knowing that you know it's um, yeah it's not always about the, the end goal. There's a destination involved, but there's a journey to it. And it's and understanding the process to it. And I thought that was, it was very mature. And I've always had a, a good rapport with him. I've enjoyed conversations with him, the thought that he gives to, to things that he's doing. And um, I just, uh, you know, I'm happy for him that his career has turned out the way that it has, because, um, you know, I, I Obviously, anybody puts in the work, you see a lot of people put in the work. They don't always get rewarded for it. He's being rewarded for it. All right. Well,
0: obviously, everybody's kind of, you know, the 62 home run chase probably will be a theme this year. But now the theme is about winning the ring, right, in in 2023 after this big signing?
1: I think the thing that he's missed, all the great Yankees, you know, whether it's captains or whether it's, um, you know, Monument Park Yankees, Hall of Famers, uh, people that you put on a certain other category in Yankee history, almost all of them won championships, multiple championships, early in their careers. DiMaggio, Gehrig, Mantle, Jeter, Bera. Uh There are a couple of exceptions. Thurman Munson won two championships a little bit later into his career. Because the teams he came up on were not very good. And obviously Don Mattingly never made it to a World Series. His teams, unfortunately, weren't deep enough to make it. And the playoff system was different than it is today, blah, blah, blah. Um, Aaron Judge has been in the playoffs every year of his professional career with the Yankees, his uh, six full seasons, hasn't made it to a World Series. When you're a Yankee, it's a little bit of a mark on your your, uh, resume. So... Yeah, he's had the opportunity to put up some big numbers and make uh, a big impact, fan favorite. He's done a lot of good things as a Yankee. The championship is what's going to send him to that next level. And certainly, as much as they are desired, they are you know kind of expected. So if you're going to put on that uniform, if you're going to make that much money, you're expected to deliver. And – you know i don't know how many it's going to be i think it's hard to win one as we've seen uh winning more than one is harder still uh sometimes they made it look easy uh back when you were a kid right but ah, yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. so um i i think that's obviously the goal here the um you know his personal statistics and achievements will help lead the team in the right direction But, you know, he's he's talked about it. That's obviously the goal for him.
0: All right. I want to talk about Sweeney Murray now that I got you on, because I feel like I've seen your rise from uh, you you were a beat writer at one point. Then you were on FAN and now you're doing pre and post. But you got to sit in the chair of John Sterling as a as, you know, to to do a couple games. I know you uh, to do a game and I know you were really honored. wasn't that your birthday to do play by play.
1: It was last year on my birthday. I got to do play by play for the very first time. And it was a New York Yankees at Houston Astros game. It was a single game uh, dropped in as a makeup um, on June 30th. And, um, you know, listen, my career has taken a lot of great turns. When I met you, I was the Yankees reporter on WFAN before the broadcasts were on WFAN. Um, I continued in my role reporting and added post game show duties. And with John missing a few games last season, I was fortunate enough to get a chance. Um, I told you before, Alex, I'm, I've am i been a baseball fan my whole life. And um, I've been on the radio for, you know, 40 years uh, to get a chance. To, I did play-by-play of high school games and things like that early in my career. To get a chance to call a New York Yankees game on WFAN was uh, was certainly, and sitting in the chair of, of a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, like John Sterling, that's certainly, um, that was uh, one of my highlights, no doubt about it.
0: You've interacted with Susan and John the last few years, obviously, as pre and post. I mean, they just seem like the dynamic, do on radio, and then you're doing the pre and post.
1: I mean, what a team you guys got uh, every night. I, I am fortunate enough to share a booth with two people who will be in the who will win the Ford Frick Award one day as Hall of Fame announcers um, and and be honored in Cooperstown. I have no doubt about that. Um, I'm shocked that one or both of them hasn't had it happen to them already. To be honest with you, uh, but it is it is pretty phenomenal to get to share a booth with people like that and say that you're part of that team. It really is a tremendous experience. And I feel like people can
0: can learn from your journey that to always persevere, always dig in every game, right, to, to get where you are right now.
1: I think the thing that I learned the most uh, by covering great athletes was watching how they go about their business every day, knowing that it doesn't matter if they went 0 for 4 or 4 for 4. There's another game the next day. And that's something that I have to... Um, you know, I, I think I've taken that approach knowing that I hope I had a good job on the air today. I hope I did a good job on the air today. If I did, or if I didn't, I've got to come back and do it again tomorrow. And that's something that like, listen, I had right before I moved to New York, uh, the news director that I was working for in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, said, it's just radio. If you screw it up, come back and do it again tomorrow. You know, and I've never forgotten that. And it's another way of, of learning a lesson that I've learned from these great athletes is that, you know, you had a great day today. You had a bad day today. Guess what? There's another game tomorrow and you better be ready for that. So I, I feel like that's something that I've had the ability and learned how to take into my job.
0: All right. I got to ask you about coming home to your kids cause you're a proud dad as well. So what are they, how do they feel having a dad on the radio? Tell me about that a little
1: bit. I mean, I listen, I, I've done it their whole life, right? So they don't know any different. I think they've kind of learned that, that my job is different than some of their other friends, dads, and moms. But um, I, I don't think that it makes them feel any different. Um, I think they enjoy the perks of getting to come out to see me work once in a while and, and share a few minutes in the press box with me when they come to a game, uh, before they you know, before they go and sit in the stands and act like everybody else at a Yankees game. So um I I think they've you know, the older they get, I think they're gonna understand and appreciate how special this is for them. Um, but it's a lot of fun. You know, it, it gives us something to, to talk about every day and understand, you know, they go to sleep a lot of times before the game's over. So when I come home and I see him the next morning, it's, uh, you know, telling them that Aaron Judge hit another home run. This year, last year was great because, you know, we talked about how many home runs he was hitting and, and the significance of that and um, getting to share that with them. That's you know, it took 61 years for a player in a Yankee uniform to do that And that I was able to share that with them and talk to them about it was really special.
0: Well, right, because neither of us were around in 61, but I'll tell you what, that uh, we watched the movie. I'm sure you watched the movie. So to feel that era, sort of, although he didn't have a competitor on the team, that was the difference, right? One of the big differences anyway.
1: That was a huge thing. I mean, listen, the the idea that. When you know Mantle and Maris went at it toe-to-toe in 61, with Maris eventually breaking Babe Ruth's 60 home runs and Mantle falling short uh, because of injury in September. If you looked at the, um, the races in 98, Maguire and Sosa went at it together. Um, even the year that, that Bonds uh, set the, the record, uh, there were still people, there was still Maguire and Sosa and Luis Gonzalez and other people hitting a number of home runs and pushing that mark, nobody came close to Aaron Judge. He was doing this with the pressure solely on him and nowhere else, the focus solely on him and nowhere else. I think it was an important point uh, during the season and important perspective when we look at it after.
0: Now, as a kid, I guess I always thought you were sort of a Yankee fan, but your reporting is fair and straight and not, like, you know, biased. But I have to ask you, the 9-14 and 14 stretch in August, I mean, what were you feeling as they were going through that downward spiral that month?
1: Well, I think it's always easier to talk about people that are winning and be around people that are winning uh everybody's a lot happier right so um i have always tried to take the long view of what was going on and you just try to understand that there hopefully was time for them to get healthy before the end of the season and and straighten themselves out a lot of what they were doing in august was about a lineup that had been depleted and decimated shortly after the trade deadline which was the worst time of all to incur injury like that because you don't have the ability to make the fixes, And the players in case of Andrew Benintendi, a player that they traded for got hurt. So there's, um, uh, there are a lot of reasons that went into, and I hear people talk about excuses. Well, listen, there are reasons and there are excuses. Um, I tend to look at a lot of reasons why they underperformed late in the season. And I think the hope was that they could get healthy um, and put a, put a full lineup out there before the season was over. Didn't quite work out that way. They came up short. We'll see how it happens again. Um, but it's um, it, was, it was certainly a time that, you know, when you look at how the season began, I don't think any of us foresaw it ending in the manner that it did. I didn't think it ever guaranteed them getting to the World Series or winning a championship with what they did in the first three months. But they put themselves in a position to do something special. Unfortunately, they weren't able to finish it out.
0: I remember a couple times listening to you, Sweeney, and you were like, well, guess what? The Yankees are human. And you said this after long winning streaks were snapped. You're like, well, guess what? The Yanks are human. We learned that today. Something to that effect. But I want to go inside the studio with you real quick. When you listen to these press conferences, do you take notes like any, any pre and post game host would do? Or how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I look for a certain, you know, bits of information that stand out to me or certain turns of phrase that um, make, uh, you know, sound like there's something significant to me. Um, anything that's going to help fill in the picture that I've got to talk about later on, uh, those are the things that I'm looking for. And then you were going to
0: say something about the, 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 the human side of the Yankees that you mentioned a few times oh. after wind streaks were snapped.
1: I think what I like to do is, like, like I like to point out that one of the things that I I think has stood out to me, and I've tweeted this out a few times, like, when the Yankees are on a winning streak, it looks like they're never going to lose again. And when they're on a losing streak, it looks like they're never going to win again. You know, it's just how dramatic that they are uh, and the reasons that go into whether they're winning or losing. And I feel like my job is to provide that balance and understand that they're never as great as you think they are. They're never as bad as you think they are. Uh, and that the, there is an ability to what happened yesterday. doesn't mean that the same thing is going to happen today, whether that's winning or losing. So I like to, you know, again, go back to the idea that what players taught me about having a good day or a bad day and having another game the next day, those, that's the kind of thing that I, I think I, I try to bring to the, to the radio every day.
0: All right, before you go, i got to say two memories. One memory was we were in the press area by the press gate, and you were heading the elevator. I'm like, hey, Sweeney, and you turned around and said, hey, Alex, like I remember that. But I saw you in Philly in 2006, and you couldn't believe we made the trip down there. i remember not, that or not. But you're like, how did you get here? I'm like, well, we took a bus, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't remember seeing you at the vet there, uh, or no, Citizens Bank Park. Um, but, yeah, I, I do recall seeing you quite often at old Yankee Stadium and up on the press level, outside the gate, up on the press level, um, and uh, it, you know, you always had a smile on your face. You had a jersey on, the smile on your face, and the Yankees hat. It was it was it was hard to miss you, and uh, and how much energy you were bringing every day. Well, I miss everybody
0: in the new stadium. I feel like everything's kind of confined there, but we'll make time to see each other this year. I hope, uh,
1: Sweeney. Fantastic, Alex. I look forward to it.
0: All right, that was Sweeney Murdy on WFAN, Yankees pre- and post-game host, and maybe more play-by-play in the works. How about that, Sweeney? And uh, with that, I'm Alex Garrett, this edition of the Alex Garrett Sports Spotlight.